Hello? Hey, Katiekins. It's Rosalie. Want to have a slumber party? chapter. Jason is back. He moves like a shadow, dark and silent. Sorry, you change your mind? He never utters a word. He doesn't even seem to breathe. Where the hell's the corkscrew? He simply, mindlessly, mercilessly, Kills. But now, Jason's reign of terror is over. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Jason's unlucky day. Slumberkins. I am Rosalie Kicks. And I'm Katie McBrown. And we are best friends forever. Each episode, we roll out our sleeping bags, pick out a flick featuring one of our favorite heartthrobs, and we gab about it. So it's not right now because we're recording this episode very early, but when it comes out, it will be Friday, October the 13th. And for realsy, it will be my birthday. So I'm very excited to celebrate your 40th birthday, but you know what's really stupendous about both of us turning 40 this year? So we both have Friday birthdays. However, yours is much cooler though, because it's Friday the 13th and you just you just had to one-up me. <laughs> I didn't realize yours was also on a Friday. Yes. Well, having a Friday birthday is the best because then you can celebrate for the whole weekend. I mean, my birthday falls on a very cool date, which I realize makes me a lot cooler. <laughs> well, I wouldn't hang out with you otherwise. So Slumberkins, if this is your first time at our slumber party, we hope you brought your snacks. And before we start chatting, let me tell you how the show works. Katie Kins and I visit the video store that's in my basement. We select a movie that features one of our favorite heartthrobs, and we roll out our sleeping bags and chat about the flick to determine whether the movie is worthy enough to be placed on our coveted slumber party watch shelf. Yes, and since it's spooky season, the hunky horror celebration is in full swing. Yeah, I did want to say, though, about these heartthrobs, because I feel, especially as we keep going on with this show, sometimes they are debatable. Yeah. I definitely have a different criteria, I feel, when it comes to heartthrobs. But we usually both agree. 
Yes. I mean, I think that there's reasons we like a certain person more than the other or not even just, you know, it's not all about looks. We're not here. Just we're not that superficial. Uh, We also like people for certain actions or moments in the films. Right. Yeah. And I feel like this one is definitely a good example of that. And this marks the second episode of The Hunky Horror Party. And before we start dissecting the movie, I thought it would be fun to share with the listeners our favorite Halloween slasher. I'm not sure if we did this before, but I don't know. I don't remember. So I figured let's do it again. We could have done it before, but let's refresh the listeners anyway. My, so I kind of feel bad doing this on a Friday the 13th episode. Sorry, Jason. But I'm going to go with Michael Myers. The original Halloween is just perfection in my eyes. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Sadly, the last few that have been released have been meh. But I would say the majority of the series has been the most rewatchable for me. What about you? Yes, I I too have to go with Mikey. I, I feel bad, you know, because it's we're going to be talking about a Jason film. But I agree, they are the most rewatchable. And honestly, like, despite the ups and downs of the franchise, I just have a soft spot for the guy. Like, there's something about him. He's supernatural. I really didn't like the most recent one until I watched it again. And now I really have grown to appreciate his team up with Corey. And yeah, I don't know. I like him. You kind of even made me start to like Corey as well. I just think the movie, if it really would have been played like a lifetime film, it would have been far better and far more humorous. But they didn't go that route. But still, Corey is great. And I should probably just write some fan fiction about him. I'd read it. (laughs) I don't think he died at the end. No, he's also supernatural. Yeah, he probably is like riding a motorcycle somewhere. (laughs) In the sewers. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. Well, we both, I guess that's why we're besties. We both like the same slasher. Yes, it makes sense now. It all makes sense. Yeah. I met him 15 years ago. I I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What do we do? He's been here once tonight. I think he'll come back. I think there's been enough chatting. It's time for some (laughs) girl talk. Talk, 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 talk. Girl talk, talking back. Girl talk, Dateline. The game about the two things girls like best. Talking on the phone and... I'd love to go. Boys! And this is the segment of the show when we talk about the movie featuring our chosen heartthrob. And in honor of spooky season, we are now deeming it hunky horror heartthrob. Or, as we like to say, Triple H. Hey, this is the game, Triple H. 
I think it's about time that Triple H gives us some kind of percentage for how many times we have mentioned him on our podcast. I think he should come on the podcast because, like, <laughs> what else is he doing? Is I don't even know. He is pretty free. He's free right now, I believe. <laughs> Either way, this reminds me that you will be watching his movie soon, The Chaperone. <laughs> I believe I showed you the poster. It's a wonderful film. Yes. The poster itself is interesting. And maybe maybe we could just do a bonus episode on The Chaperone. Yeah, I think it will make an appearance at one of our slumber parties because it is like a teen flick. So we will be watching. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. For our latest installment of Hunky Horror, we're going to chat about the 1984 Friday the 13th, the final chapter featuring heartthrob Crispin Glover. It says, it says you're a dead fuck. What? A dead fuck? A lousy lay. You know, a dead pack. Oh, I see. Oh, don't hold it back for me, Doc. I can take it. Give it to me straight. I did not say it. The computer did. Yeah, well, there is no computer. Aha. And there's no Betty, either. And I'm a dead fuck. Like I said, the computer don't lie. And this movie was released on Friday, April 13th, 1984, and I was one years old. I was one year old and a couple of days. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't believe it was that long ago. You were barely one. You were like seven months. You know what? You're right. (laughs) I can't count. I was, yes, I wasn't even one. You were definitely still eating like strained peas. Probably. And although I might have been walking because apparently I like skipped crawling, went right to walking. (laughs) I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Apparently when I walked, it looked like I was floating. Oh my gosh. Yes. I would almost like to see some uh, video if your family can scat, like, find some. Yeah. But I'm glad we picked this movie because I love Crispin Glover and I felt it was a way to kind of get him to be a heartthrob because I don't think otherwise you would have picked him. Yeah. I mean, it did take a little convincing, but ultimately you are wise, so I allowed it. I will say, though, in this, he is much more of a heartthrob and endearing than in most things that I've seen him in. Yes. And, of course, I love love all the Friday the 13th, so that was kind of the biggest push was that we were just watching a, a Jason. Yeah, and in a lot of the Jasons, too, it's not like there there are a lot of dudes that you can really get behind. Right. A lot of the dudes in Jason movies are terrible. They're usually just god-awful characters. Yeah. This one, I mean, he was kind of the least problematic. (laughs) Yes. Agree. Remember Slumberkins, for the film to end up on the Slumber Party watch shelf, it needs to earn at least five gold stars. So as we are chatting, if you hear a twinkle sound, that signifies that it earned a star. 
And Katie, will you share the criteria for earning a star along with some of the fantastic additions in honor of spooky season? I'd be delighted to. So the original criteria for how a movie can earn a star is a mall, bonus babe alert, radical fashions, bodacious soundtrack, a bad boy, nudies, a rebel girl, pizza delivery, first kiss, wild hair, crazy cuisines, and dream digs. And to mark the spooky occasion, we have added sexy slasher, wacky weaponry, foodie fatality, gratuitous gore, killer knockout, meaning babes that get slayed, murderous music, valiant victim, which was added just in our last episode in honor of Ray Milland in Frogs. You worried about me? Thank you for your concern. I'm going to be perfectly all right. I can get in that elevator by myself. I can get into bed by myself. And that's where I'm going. And I'm going to sleep like a baby. Which was, uh, as I called it, a masterpiece. Yes, you loved that film. And you now own a frog. I don't own a frog. (laughs) And I don't think I'll ever own a frog. But I will maybe potentially buy the movie. Good. That's great. Physical media. You own no other movies, but you will own frogs. <laughs> just, just frogs. That's the only thing that'll be on the shelf. Yeah. But we're also adding to that list all the time. So please shoot us a tweet at Dear BFF Pod. If Twitter is not your thing, we're also on Instagram at Best Friends Forever. So send us a message there. Yeah. Just send in your ideas. We want to hear them. And Katie Kins. Tell the Slumberkins about this VHS cover, this butte. <laughs> it is a butte. I also think it's like there's a good simplicity to the cover. Like we just have the hockey mask and we have a, a knife going through one of the eyes. There's a little bit of blood. It's basically like, oh, here's Jason. He may or may not have been stabbed in the eye, but he's back. So get excited. It's enough to make me want to pop it in and watch it. Yeah, I like that it does not overdo it. It's just classic hockey mask with the knife Mm -hmm. done. Like, you know what you're going to see. And if you're not familiar with Friday the 13th, the final chapter, here's the back of the box summary. The body count continues in this vivid, the fourth, but not final story in the widely successful Friday the 13th series. Jason. Crystal Lake's least popular citizen returns to wreak havoc in Friday the 13th, the final chapter. After his revival in the hospital morgue, the hockey-masked murderer fixes his vengeful attention on the Jarvis family and a group of hitherto carefree teenagers. Young Tommy Jarvis is an aficionado of horror films with a special talent for masks and makeup. Has the diabolical Jason finally met his match? Runtime, one hour, 31 minutes. Oh, what a perfect runtime, by the way. Yes. Just perfect. I miss the days of these 90-minute films. Yes, I believe that we we have started a revival of Bring Back the 90-Minute Movie. Yes. So the movie actually starts off with a lot of like flashy recaps from the first three, which is pretty interesting. I don't think I've ever seen such a long recap. I believe it lasted like a full five minutes. 
Yeah, that the whole recap thing was kind of a hallmark of the series, which I personally love. It's humorous to me because I think, do they really think like the person coming to see this one hasn't seen the other ones? Right. I did read that the director, Joseph Zito, hated that they did this, but the studio did it anyway. In some ways, I kind of wish that they still did it for all horror franchises, especially because as I age, my brains are becoming beans and I I can't keep all this stuff straight. Like, it's just, it's too much, you know? And especially if there's been several years between a film. I guess that's true. I guess a good five, three to five minute refresher is okay. And especially like if the previous film wasn't that good, it saves you a lot of time. Like, I don't have to go back and watch it again. I can just get this quick little update. That's true. Regardless, after the flashies, the film picks up right where the other one left off, and we follow Jason in the ambulance to the morgue. (laughs) Which actually means that this film was not on a Friday the 13th. That's correct. Because it just continued, which is very interesting. So I had seen this film before, and it had... There was parts that I definitely was like, oh, I remember that, but I also just didn't. I forgot Jason was ever in a morgue and that he was ever in a hospital at all. Like I always just either know him as in the woods or on the subway in New York. So I was I was kind of delighted to see that he got an ambulance ride. I don't even know if he's ever been in a moving vehicle before this. Yeah, I, I feel we haven't seen him driving you know, like Michael drives. Yeah, he doesn't He doesn't know how. Yeah, Michael drives, but he never got a license. Maybe Michael might not have gotten a license either, but Jason certainly maybe drive a car, but I find him to be a little bit lazier. He would rather just like want to be driven. Yeah, and he seems to get a lot of his, I guess, power from being at the lake. Yeah. So I think him having any need to drive is minimal. That's true. Whereas like Michael, he he has to get to the store, to the sewers, (laughs) like there's incentive for him to know. That's true. But here we don't know if Jason is alive or dead. They say that no bodies, like the paramedics are like no one survived. So at this point, I'm like, well, how how is this movie happening? But immediately at the morgue, we meet the most putrid of characters. And we were just so happy that Jason wakes up from his slumber and then just starts tearing people apart because that one wretched man was number one on Meg Hill list. I couldn't take 30 seconds of him. Yeah, he he was terrible. I guess he was some kind of orderly. I, I don't really know. He was just really, really a bad person. Yeah. It is interesting because hospitals are often featured in these slasher movies. Michael ended up at a hospital, ghost face. It's just inevitable. That's true. I think, you know, it was only a matter of time that Jason too would wind up in a hospital. And before we get too far, you know, I do want to go back to talking about that man that we both hated because he was (coughs) eating some crazy cuisine. You meet him and he's holding like this smeared bagel It has so much cream cheese on it. It's so gross. But then he lays it on the corpse of Jason. And then he eats it. 
It was so floppy. It just seems incredibly unsanitary to be tossing around your bagel from corpse to corpse <laughs> when you're supposed to like do an autopsy or, you know, run run some tests. But that man, he just didn't care. He was going to eat that disgusting <laughs> bagel, even if there was a corpse watching him. I bet Jason got mad because he got the everything bagel dust on him, like the seeds. All the crumbs, mm-hmm. like the poppy seeds and little bits of sesame. But Jason's body is foul. <laughs> Remember when we were watching and you saw his nails, his putrid nails? What did you call them? I thought you called them swamp nails, <laughs> but maybe it was me. I was aghast. At the site. It was the color of pond scum. And I mean, I get it. The man doesn't shower. He doesn't have a lot of time in his busy killing schedule. But like, you got to clean under your nails. Yeah, I guess like I just feel like you just have to keep some kind of hygiene. I mean, I guess it's probably like mildewy because I feel like he's constantly in water that how are they that gross? But yeah. I don't know. It could, yeah, it's just, it's it's uh, mildew buildup. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, it's just so thrilling when he wakes up from his sleep time and he kills this man because the man is just total sleaze. I, I want to remind you that he is not the first person we've seen eat over a corpse because back when we talked about Slumber Party Massacre, there was, do you remember the teen who ate a pizza? over a dead body. I forgot about that, actually. I do remember that we were delighted because there was a pizza delivery in the movie itself. So we were like so excited to give that a star. But I totally forgot about that, that teen eating the pizza. Mm -hmm. What a classic. Yeah, I just remembered. We have to start a list of eating on corpses. Yeah, because well, now we have two, at -hmm. least. But do you remember the video, the aerobics video that that man was watching and like salivating over? Oh, it was like, it was so gross. I question if that was aerobics. I feel like it was some kind of like jazzercise. Like it was the 80s. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. It was uncomfortable watching (laughs) him watch that. Luckily, that was taken care of. Yeah. And then we, we immediately cut to... Baby Tommy Jarvis, who's played by a wee Corey Feldman. And I love baby Tommy. When we first see him, he's like in a mask that he apparently made. And he's so crafty. Like he makes all of these intricate Halloween masks from his bedroom. Apparently, this was all decided like after the fact, because initially they had baby Tommy. He was going to be an inventor of sorts. And then they decided to make him like this makeup artiste because then it was like a shout out to Tom Savini. I love Tom Savini, who, as Me most too. people know, is an iconic makeup effects master. He's worked on countless horror films. So I feel like that's a nice homage to him, especially because I feel like I think you said you were talking about it, that Tom Savini didn't really want to like be involved Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit because there is kind of a story where like he didn't want to be involved in some of the other people. So I think it's nice that they at least paid their respects to him. Mm -hmm. 
But so we meet the Jarvis family and their pup Gordon, who is a golden retriever. And you loved this dog. I did. Because there's like parts of this movie where the dog disappears and you're very concerned. (laughs) So Gordon is a golden retriever and my first dog growing up was a golden retriever. So I have a big soft spot in my heart for them. And this happened in frogs, that Irish setter that disappeared a lot. Like I get I get a little sweaty when I don't know where the animal is. Like I just need the animal to be safe and sound. Yeah. It's probably like the part of the movie where my heart was racing the most that I didn't know where Gordon was. So I'm going to propose a new star in honor of Gordy. I'm going to give this a cutie patootie star because from now on, I believe that all the pups in movies should get a star. I agree. I am okay with this star. I do like dogs in film, but I do always get nervous when they pop up in a horror, Yeah, especially a slasher. You know, that is kind of one negative thing about Michael. He has killed many animals. That's true. And I don't like that. Yeah, I did forget about that. I think he just came down a couple of notches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always have a lot of concern for the animals more than the people. <laughs> 100%. Yes. So after we meet the family, we then cut to a gaggle of teens. They're driving in a car. And I say teens here very loosely because <laughs> these people, people look like they could be like 30 years old. They are not (laughs) teens. And they're driving to Crystal Lake. And this is when we see the true heartthrob of this movie, Crispin Glover, who plays Jimmy. So we're introduced to Jimmy as a very chatty character with his friend Teddy in the back of the car on their way to, I guess, whatever cabin they're staying at. And I have to wonder, like, is this the most consecutive dialogue in, like, a Jason film? It seemed long. It definitely, there's a lot of chatting going on, more so than I think you're used to, especially in these types of films. But out of the teens in that car, the only one I really like is Jimmy, to be honest. Yeah. The others are insufferable to me. And especially Teddy, I can't stand him. I couldn't wait till Jason ended him. Yeah, Teddy is maybe one of the worst characters ever. And, you know, like when you really dislike a character, you kind of dislike the actor for like a little bit. Well, I read that the actor is a method actor, which then even kind of made me roll my eyes a tad bit more. No, no, I <laughs> I don't like that. It's like Leto type stuff. yeah. Something I do need to mention is I love, though, that when these teens are driving through the woods, they end up passing Pamela Voorhees, Jason's mother's grave, and it's pristine and crisp. Clearly, someone is watching over it and cleaning it. I like that. (laughs) I loved it. It It was so fresh and new. And then all the other graves were like, you know, like torn apart and had like growth covering it. So it was just so amazing to see the dedication that somebody was giving this Miss Pamela Voorhees. Here at this part too, we also witness a foodie fatality. This is when Jason kills an innocent hitchhiker that is just having a little snack, a little banana, waiting for some car to pick her up on the side of the road. This is a kill. It sticks out in my mind because I feel like they don't do them like this anymore. 
especially in thinking of like the recent horrors that have come out, like Scream 6. It came out earlier this year and it went on and on how gory it was. Like it wants you to know it's so gory, but it doesn't have somebody dying while they're eating a banana. (laughs) I just think, Jason, it's more entertaining. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of variety when it comes to the Jason kills. One of my favorite things ever is that um, I don't remember exactly what Friday the 13th it is, but there is a human in a sleeping bag and he is just hurling that person against the tree. And it is honestly one of my favorite things. Yeah. And I also enjoy, similar to Michael, he will sometimes display the murders so that people see them. Yeah. And I mean, that takes time. He's out there killing, but then he's displaying them. Yes. Like, look at my statue. They just don't really do that anymore. Yeah. Of course, when the teens arrive to their, I guess, their cabin, they quickly meet the Jarvis family who just coincidentally happens to be next door to them. And it doesn't take long for us to see our first nudies. Baby Tommy and Gordon the Goldie, they spy the teens skinny dipping in the lake. Well, I feel like it it really didn't waste much time showing people stripping down to their skivvies. And in this particular Jason, this was the most nudies and gore for the time out of all of the series. That's kind of wild to me. I guess that does seem accurate because in the first couple, there's really not I don't even remember how much nudity there is, to be honest. I feel like there's there's some. Now, there's obviously sexual scenes. Right. But there's not just like, oh, we're skinny dipping during the day. This is more like, you know, a couple goes back to the cabin and either we see it or it's just kind of, yep, that's what they're doing. They're not one to shy away from showing boobs. Oh, definitely not. But you're right. This is cheeks out in the daytime. <laughs> Just out there. Day, daytime cheeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all making sense to me now why you picked this one. Because of the nudities. <laughs> I always blame you for the nudity. <laughs> like I corrupt you. <laughs> yes. But yeah, they're, they're swimming in the lake. And I know we haven't spoken about this previously on other episodes, My opinion of this has not changed, and it probably will never change. I do not condone them for swimming in places where I can't see the bottom. Like, I don't know why people like swimming in lakes. Yeah. There's too many creepy crawlies. Jason's at the bottom. I think that is horror when I watch people swim in a lake. I have a huge fear of deep, dark water, and that definitely started... I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Abyss. That... Made me so scared of dark water, especially like really deep waters. But lakes are just disgusting to me because there's a lot of like different textures when you step into a lake. And I will be the first if somebody says we're going to the lake and we're going to do something fun like tubing or whatever I'm wearing. I'm wearing those water shoes. Yes. And I will not be going anywhere deeper than my knees. I think my lake swimming days are done. I feel like I did it when I was a child, not realizing what was in there. Right. No, I just, no, I won't do that. Also, I did not pick this movie. So you cannot blame me for the nudity because you picked this movie based on Crispin. It just so happened to be the nudiest 
of Jason's. And secondly, you forgot to mention the Double Mint Twins. Double your pleasure, double your fun. That's the same as the great mint in Double Mint gum. Double your sentiment, your merriment. Double your moment of fun. Double your delightment with the right mint. For refreshment, it's the only one. Yeah. Double your pleasure, double your fun. That's the spirit of the great mint. On the walk towards the lake or to the lake, the gang run into two very attractive and two very completely matching twins out for a stroll. This is also the first Friday where we see male butts on the screen. We don't just see lady parts. We also get to see manly parts. Oh, I I didn't know that about the male cheeks. I, <laughs> I mean, you still don't see a peen though. No, I'm not sure if any of the Jasons ever showed a peen. This was the first, or well, the first pair of Heinies, because I believe there were two. I forgot about these twins. The twins are something, like you said, they're fully matching, which I think that that has to be a stereotype, that that's what twins do, mm-hmm. that they just always match. Earlier this year, actually, on my other podcast, Cinematic Crypt, I did a whole series entitled Double Trouble about actors that play two roles. And I do love twins because there's always tomfoolery with them. They're always getting into some type of trouble. And of course, the doublement twins, as you coined them, inevitably end up as part of this pack of teens. And it's a good time to mention that there are a lot of people in this movie, I noticed, that start with the name T. I started cataloging them because the Double Mint twins, they're named Tina and Terry. Then you have Trish Jarvis, who is Tommy Jarvis's sister. You have Ted. Like, that's a lot of T names. That is a lot of T's. They just couldn't come up with anything better. I don't know. Sherry and Terry. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just like a little variety. Yes. And I like the rhyming. Yeah. That always, that's always a good thing. I also just like how in these films, we just go through the, the scenes and collect characters just to help pile up the body count and hopefully spare Gordy the Golden. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised they didn't give him a T name. Naming him like (laughs) T-Bone or something. Oh, and I have to mention this too. It's not a character name, but the person playing Jason, he is named Ted White. And he happened to be the oldest stuntman to portray Jason. He was 58. And I just want you to imagine moving like that at 58. He is spry in this. And he only recently died, too. He died, actually, last year, October 14th, at 95. Wow. I'm impressed, because I feel like walking through the woods, I just can trip easily on, like, a root. (laughs) I I am not quite 40, but I am clumsy at 39. So that's kind of embarrassing. Though, I'm scared now that you might be the Black Widow, because he died very close to your birthday. And yes, now you're now you're creepy. <laughs> On a little side note of Ted, the actor Ted, not the atrocious character, 
but fans have said that he is their favorite Jason, the best Jason of the franchise. So that's kind of nice that this old man has that accolade. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, he definitely moves swiftly. Ted is knocking him down. He apparently hated working on this movie. And for a long time, he went uncredited because he thought it would damage his career in Tinseltown and like he wouldn't get any other jobs. Fans of the series loved him so much. He eventually came around, started doing like horror cons and stuff. He probably wanted money. Yeah, give me that coin. Those cons are expensive. Every item costs something. Yeah, and I bet he was charging a good crisp 50. (laughs) Yeah, like it actually had to be a bill. Like it had to be a crisp note. Yeah, remember when we were there, everything was cash. Oh, yeah. Because under the table, no taxing. No paper trail. Right. But anywho... The twins, I, I'm glad you did mention them because they too, like it also adds to the cheek count <laughs> because they were skinny dipping too. And they later end up at the little cabin party that the teens are throwing, which as you said, it's really just adding up more bodies mm-hmm. to slaughter. Which pleases me. Oh, yes. You want more people. And inevitably, the one doublement ends up in one of the best scenes in the whole movie. She sure does. This is where we get the most magnificent show of our lives, and it is the Crispin Dance. Would you care to dance? good yeah it's something he's a wild person and honestly it's one of the most probably memorable moments in cinematic history the dance is like him thrashing around i don't even know how to describe it really like you just have to watch it thrashing is a good uh way to describe it yeah and apparently he danced like that in clubs (laughs) clubs dance clubs Yeah, he was a clubber. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Crispin the clubber. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) when he shot this scene, though, he was actually juking to Back in Black by ACDC. But then when the film was edited, the song that played was this. Yes, and what you just heard is the 1986 tune Love is a Lie by Lion. Pure classic. However... I don't know about you, but I actually think I would have liked to see hit. I would have preferred Back in Black to be the real music. ACDC, I'm, I have no comment. <laughs> like, I feel I've never really listened to them much because it was so overplayed as a kid. Their singles, I never dove into their discography. Hmm. So I don't really know much about them. I do like the Lion song. Because when I hear it every time I watch the movie, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> I can I can understand. Yeah. Oh, because we're not good at this, we are forgetting to mention that Tommy and Trish do meet a woodswalker. And this happens kind of before the party. I think the sister like saw Tommy seeing the teen skinny dipping. She's like, get in the car. Like something like that occurs. Yeah, like don't let little Gordy look at that. Right. Yeah. She's mortified. 
And But then while they're driving, their car breaks down, and they end up meeting this guy who's out camping. I don't even remember this guy's name because he doesn't really add <laughs> anything to the story except Rosalie. another body. He does. He adds a little bit to the story. I believe his name is Rob, and he actually is out for revenge on Jason because Jason killed his sister, oh, right. Sandra, in like Friday the 13th 2. He has a whole sob story. There was like a, it was like a side story that we, you know, it's not that interesting. But I do, I like that you called him a woods walker. That's one of my favorite <laughs> terms right now. <laughs> but it's true. There's a lot to remember and we can't help jumping around. People are going to enjoy the commentary anyway because it's just amazing. This movie is just wonderful. It's hard to keep up with all the characters. I'm surprised you remember his name. He slipped my mind. <laughs> I think I think I you remember some things and I remember others. And then in that way, we we piece it all together. But now when you say about the obsession and his sob story, I feel like there were news clippings he had in a tent. Well, the news clippings will come will come into play in a little bit. Yeah. So, of course, during the little party the teens are throwing, the bodies start to rack up because an uninvited guest, Jason, of course, shows up. Well, how like the bodies, I guess, start stacking is one of the teens runs outside, like she's upset because her beau is flirting with one of the double mints. So she goes off on her own, which is obviously big no-no because she ends up getting sliced by Jason. Because for some reason she's like, oh, I'm really mad. So I'm going to take a dip <laughs> in the lake under the moonlight. No thanks. Absolutely not. Yeah. And then the beau runs after her. And he ends up getting harpooned by Jason. Neither of these deaths were like anything to write home about to me. Like I felt it was just Jason warming up. Well, I also feel like the the boat that was out there, like the big yellow raft, was almost like a trap set by Jason to lure them out there, which I appreciated. So while the killings were kind of like, meh, I like that he, he was like, I'm just going to put this boat out here. Somebody's going to come. Somebody's going to come for it. Right. So, but anyway, after this, we're on the ride and we have another star edition, which is star six of Wacky Weaponry, where Crispin's character is killed with a corkscrew and a meat cleaver in the kitchen. And then there's a killer knockout when Jason climbs a trellis to whip one of the twins out of the window, which I, I mean, I appreciate it because him climbing that, that's, that really worked for me because he, he did a lot of a lot of movement to get to her. That might have been one of my favorite kills. Very agile. And honestly, I'm all for anyone flying out a window. Yes. <laughs> I love window kills. Curtains is my favorite window kill. Yeah. Or things getting thrown through windows. Yes. Glass yes. breaking. It reminds me like of Stone Cold. <laughs> I enjoy me it. Too. I'm forgetting what happens to the other twinny. I just recall her leaving because she wants to get away from Teddy. So, well, the other twinny was killed by a spear and it was basically like a shadow kill because her, like the lightning struck and then you saw him coming at her with a spear and his body and her body were illuminated. And then all of a sudden she was like harpooned or speared to the house. Just because she was trying to bike home. He got her, though. Right, right. 
And it's really like the question of, was death the better option there than being with Teddy? Mm. Death was better. I think death. Choose death. Teddy is just that character. Like he calls himself Teddy Bear. Mm. And it's just Christ's sakes. <laughs> I, I just can't with him. If people haven't seen our short film that we've made, Pizza Man, we do have a character in that movie named Teddy. And we are not a fan of Teddy's. Mm-hmm. I will say we did get victory when Teddy ultimately died while he was watching stag films. Right. He was watching old nudies, which I think were just like lying around in the cabin. Yeah, I doubt any of them had them and brought them with them. So they were just watching them on the projector. Yes. You know, I will say shame on Jason because he stabs through the screen. Mm -hmm. And it's like a silver screen kill. And I, I don't like that he ruins the screen, but it was to kill Teddy. So I'm fine with it. Well, also I'm spacing. I think it was just a sheet. So I don't think he actually ruined a screen. I think he just ruined a bed sheet. Oh, okay. Well, then that's forgivable. <laughs> For some reason, I was picturing in my mind that it was an actual screen, but you're probably right. I just can't imagine the teens being this prepared by having like a screen projector. But I will say the teen kills, they were really great. And I really loved the pacing. It was just go, go, go. Yes. Jason makes quick work of these teens and he's very efficient, doesn't waste time. And after the Teddy kill, he just goes right upstairs, slashes the other two teens. And then he immediately just moves on to the Jarvis house. But before doing so, yeah, I believe he does kill that woods walker <laughs> and brought purpose to the man. I really didn't see a purpose in him, but, you know, whatever. Goodbye. He's done. Well, I also remember us laughing because it was like he finally got his moment with Jason, you know, like he was really like he had all these clippings and he was coming after him. And then he immediately gets like stabbed and he's like, he's killing me. And we just laughed and laughed because I don't know if I've ever seen a movie where the person, the victim is yelling like he's killing me. I don't know. It just, it was very comical. He does have a good death, I guess. <laughs> so that's something for him. This is also where the movie really just kind of goes off the rails because Jason ends up in the Jarvis house. Sister and brother are trying to fend him off. They get separated and sister is very upset because she realizes Tommy went back in the house and he went back in the house to go into the bathroom and he starts cutting his hair. Snips. Because he wants to look like baby Jason and he has like a sketch hanging up in the bathroom for reference. It's just so weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sketch was one of the newspaper clippings, which was amazing. And I feel like I need like a copy of it. But yeah, like how did he have this time to just go into the bathroom and start snipping away at his hair and then using a razor to try to get the rest of it off. And then I guess he did some kind of subtle makeup on his face too and changed his outfit. It's not really a question of time. It's a question of why. <laughs> I just think it is so bizarre that this child would be like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make myself look like a baby him. 
and then I'm going to descend down the steps and have a face-off. And there, he's not going to hurt me because I look like him. I'm his twin. Like, <laughs> no. It is, it is wild. But I feel like it might be the wisps of his hair that kind of hypnotize Jason. And so Jason does have a moment where he looks at him and is like, are you my son? <laughs> son. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I think I would be distracted by those wisps. Well, yes. That haircut is wow. But it does end up working. I Like you said, like Jason is mesmerized by him. Yeah, probably thinks it's his son. And we then end up with some gratuitous score because the sister, Trish, hits Jason with the machete And then you get this kind of gnarly shot of like the head slowly falling down it. It's pretty wild. Also, you see the fingers again and his face Mm. is exposed and Jason is swamp. It's true. It's like now that we actually see underneath the mask, it's like, oh, well, that matches his fingers. But I think that this girl, Trish, would immediately get an infection just from touching, being in that proximity to Jason. She probably had algae covering her body at some point. Well, speaking of the fingers, Tommy, the son, (laughs) sees them moving. And then he starts stabbing him like wildly. Tommy is unhinged because he's just hacking at Jason, telling him to die, die, die. It's it's intense. Yes, that part was kind of strange too, where little Tommy almost is like, well, I'm the new Jason now because <laughs> he just becomes so unhinged and it's so wildly out of character. Yeah. In the end though, Tommy and his wisps and his sister, they end up in the hospital where we started basically. And the last thing we see is Tommy looking straight into the camera and he is disturbed looking. (laughs) And like you said, it it makes you wonder if he'll be taking over for Jason. That's almost like what it felt like was happening. Like the machete has been passed on. Yeah. I read that the studio billed this movie, the final chapter, because this was at the point in time where they started getting embarrassed about being associated with the series. They just thought like slashers were on the way out. And Tom Savini kind of felt this way too. Like he only worked on this movie because he wanted to ensure that Jason was aged properly. I guess you would say swampy. Swamped up. Yeah, and he wanted to make sure that when they killed Jason off, it looked legit, which I think it does. Yeah. That knife, or the machete rather, you see it go through his head. Mm -hmm. But his head is also so soft. It's full of of putrid seaweed, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Also, the producer, Frank Mancuso Jr., who was the son of the Paramount CEO at the time, he wanted to move on to other things. So he was hoping this ending would mean Jason's dead. They can end the series. We know that didn't happen. (laughs) The Jason series just kept going. (laughs) Which to be honest, the film series shouldn't end. And there has been a long break in between them now. And I think it's, I'm ready for more. Yeah, I still 
And I know that this is kind of something a lot of the fans have said before. I'd love to see a snowy Jason Camp Crystal Lake in the winter. Yes. And him riding around on a snowmobile killing the teens. <laughs> I think that would be fun. And ice skating. Oh, ice skating. That would be awesome. I hope that happens. But in the meantime, you can get excited. There's going to be a TV series coming out, I think, sometime next year. I'm not sure on the date. Oh, no way. I'm sure we'll hear about mm-hmm. it. A24 is producing it and Brian Fuller is creating it. And Apparently, it's going to be a prequel. I don't know if you've watched any of Brian Fuller's other stuff, but he's amazing. I'm excited then. Yeah, he did Hannibal. Oh, yeah. And yes, Hannibal is awesome. But he's kind of notorious for his his shows because he does a lot of TV. And I'm blanking on the one. I really love what it's called, but it's about a guy who has a pie shop who can like bring people back from the dead. Pushing daisies? Yes. I remember that. That was like, it was only on for like a season or two or something. Yeah, because Fuller spends a lot of money, but his stuff looks awesome. Okay. And then like when the studio wants to cut the budget, he's like, well, I'm done. Good. I'm out. I'm excited about the Jason series. I think it'll be fun. I'm excited too. Thanks for making me aware of this. Yes. Well, we'll probably watch it together. Of course. Well, I think it's time to bust out the diary and count up the stars. I'm ready to tally. Let me pull out the diary and my clicky pen is missing. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Dear diary, Friday the 13th, the final chapter has earned a total of eight stars for Crazy Cuisine, Cutie Patootie, Heartthrob, Foodie Fatality, Nudies, Wacky Weaponry, Killer Knockout, and Gratuitous Score. Which means, Slumberkins, we've added another tape to the shelf. Any Friday the 13th is perfect for a slumber party, no matter what time of the year. So I'm glad this one made the shelf and I had fun revisiting it with you. Yeah, it's one of my favorite Jasons, and it definitely has a high body count. There's 14. And that kind of makes me think we should start listing the body counts. Yes, for hunky horror, definitely. But that means we just have to do a lot of counting because aren't we doing the cat counts and body counts at this point? Oh, yes. Yes. I forgot about the cat Cat counts, which I don't think there was a cat. No. Well, and also for anybody that was worried, Gordy the Golden survived. Yes, he got away. He got he he like drove off into the dust. He was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, he probably ended up with another family. On a farm. Yes. Not on a lake. No. And where he was exposed to skinny dippers. <laughs> yes, he was mortified by that, I'm sure. <laughs> well, until the next party, where can the slumberkins find us? Well, you should be following us on the Meads if you can. We're on, for all you Instagrammers, we're at bestfriendsforever.pod. And we love messages, so send them our way. Yeah, you could also email us at dearbffpod at gmail.com. And you could send us postal mail, which we love. And we have gotten mail in the past. 
but only from our fan club president, Mr. Clank. He's always sending us little gifties. And if you'd like to send us a treat, you can send that to Movie John, P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145. And for our next episode, we are very excited because we will have a guest at the Slumber Party, fan club president and dude about town, Mr. Clank, and he will be here to dish about the 1932 Murders in the Rue Morgue. This is going to be so fun. While we were watching it, we had two total different heartthrobs. So this will be the first time that we have dueling heartthrobs. I don't remember that part. (laughs) I remember there being one heartthrob. I don't think there's two. I guess I'll find out. But you chose one and I chose one. I'll find out, I guess. (laughs) I just love that I got you to watch a Bela Lugosi movie. And with Clink, you were kind of outnumbered because I knew asking him to be on the show, he was going to pick a black and white movie, something old. Mm -hmm. Well, Katie's outnumbered and this pleased me. (laughs) And the movie, because we've watched it already, you know it's wild. Mm -hmm. It's sure to be a fun time when we talk about it. Yeah. Remember, Slumberkins, we have a lot of fantastic things in store for spooky season, and make sure you share with us your Halloween heartthrobs. We want to know who you deem as hunky horror. Or just share with us some of your favorite horror movies that Rosalie and I should watch and maybe talk about for a future episode. Yes, I always like movie recommendations, so send them our way. And that concludes today's program. I do want to do a shout out to Movie John's Ashley Jane Davis for our radical spooky theme and the Hollywood hunk Hugo Marmucci for our logo and the bodacious Skeet Ulrich drawing, which we currently have stickers of, and they are in the shop at Movie john.com slash shop best friends forever is part of the movie john podcast network and we thank you for listening please enjoy a short advert from our unofficial official sponsor toys r us can't wait to slumber with you soon this was fun goodbye goodbye look out because this halloween toys r us is your halloween headquarters (laughs) you'll find every trick or treat under the moon a monstrous selection of costumes and a dungeon full of decorations at prices so low, you'll howl. So this Halloween, bring the entire family to Toys R Us for a Halloween selection so huge. It's scary. <laughs>
all those who wrong, you will write me. Face my play tip, Michael Kills random, but I know I will commit to cleaning these streets while the bullies lying at the crest. Who can say they wrestled with Michael and stole his mask? Corey, Cunningham, and I don't give a sh if anybody asks. John Ralphio.